Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, everyone. Um, we have a full panel today, so um, while we're getting a couple things together, Russ, I believe, has something he wants to share. Okay. Yeah, we'll just we'll talk about Manny Machado for a minute because it was kind of funny. In Philly, they um, they showed a video of him coming into town, and and he had a four hour meeting, and you know, I just I laughed at it. I know you're laughing at Perla. I'm gonna have to put her out, I guess, but I laughed at it because it's like. I get all that, but they're competing with the Yankees. And growing up a Met fan, seeing other teams competing with the Yankees, if the Yankees just get close in money, it's not going to be much of a competition. So, Philly, and, sorry to say that, but and, and for people who missed the video yesterday, it was it was it was absolutely perfect in terms of the mentality of the Philadelphia fan. A construction worker was chirping Manny Machado as he's walking into Citizens Bank Park, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing, I dare you to sign with the Phillies. So, idiot, sorry. By doing that and confronting him before he's even signed with the Phillies, you're daring him. He's not going to sign with the Phillies if, if your opinion means anything. Did, did the video include him spiking Jesus Aguilar and cruising around first base and only getting a single off of, of, of a line drive off the wall? Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd still want to have him on the Mets. Look, uh, I, I've, I have, look, I said the Mets should sign him. Do I want to give him 10 years? No, but at 26, you can almost understand giving him a 10-year deal with opt-outs after years three and six, so it's a shorter-term deal. I, I would Look, as a Mets fan, I would love to go after Machado, despite all the issues with his lack of hustle and everything else. Guy's nope. an elite player, but he's a much better third baseman than he is a shortstop right now. Uh, now, I, I have a, I have a. He doesn't want to play third. That's the problem. I know that, but yeah. he is a much better third baseman. But he doesn't, matter. He doesn't but, want to play the position. And the yeah. only play, the only place he says he'll play third is the Yankees. Correct. So that but he means, won't have to at the beginning because Gregorius is hurt, so he can right. play shortstop. Right, but and and anyway, so I have a hockey-related rant here, and I'll, and I can say this because I am a paying customer. I'm a, I've been a paying customer of the NHL Center Ice Package for years, and I realize that there are limitations with the Center Ice Package because I subscribe through a cable, my local cable company. They have a limited number of channels, so if you're on Direct TV, you can get, have the option of the home or the road. Uh, broadcast and I don't get that with my my carrier. So a lot of times I get Fox Sports Florida instead of Sportsnet. Now I'm, I, I wonder why that is. I think probably there's a monetary reason there, and if if there is, it's ridiculous. But last night took the cake. Florida Toronto they're carrying the Sportsnet broadcast, and I understand they're paying for satellite time because they cut off the three stars. The broadcast, the broadcast ended. Leafs win. Blah 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 blah. They're all skating around, and now the three stars are brought to you by Molson Click, and it ends. And <laughs> I don't understand why they're always in such a hurry to get off these things. Well, I know why because they want to. They want to promote yeah. their friggin' infomercial. They had to have the the smokeless grill for a half hour with some chef who looks like he's eaten his complete inventory and some lady who's probably been paid a couple thousand dollars to eat this crap. <laughs> it's it's absolutely ridiculous. No, I'm just saying. 
Mike, tell me how you feel. Don't hold anything back. Holy, now. I'm paying 149 bucks for it. I expect I want. And the funny he thing is, three stars of the game. That's get what three stars. The funny, the funny thing is, Jan, you switch the channel to the Pittsburgh Minnesota game, and they're carrying the entire post game show with Colby Armstrong and a couple other guys. But because it's a Canadian broadcast and it's probably a Canadian carrier, they can't get off of that broadcast quick enough. Well, Russ, let me ask you: cheap, you, you, cheap, you watch cheap, the cheap. Radio stuff at MSG, and I think MSG yeah. does a good job. My, my big issue is I would like them to go to the press conferences when they're actually going on right. as yeah, opposed they, to coming they, to them much later during it. the broadcast. Yeah, they. you're right. They talk about it, and then right. they go to it after the fact. Yep. I yeah, don't I, know why that is. I, I don't know why, why they that, that That's because that they, you know, press conferences can be god-awful boring sometimes, and they're trying yeah. to see if there's anything. But what does it matter? Uh, it's so, five, you're, ten minutes. You're, you're going to it anyway. You're not not going to it. You're showing it anyway. You're going to watch the press conference. Chances are. Yeah. I, can't stand, look, I don't want to listen to Anson Carter. I'll listen to Valaket. I don't particularly love hearing Carter. I like hearing Valaket, but Valaket can come on after the press conference and do everything he's going to do as opposed to doing it before and then them going to the press conference later on. I, I, mean, I don't disagree with that. I mean, Peter, if I'm watching the Winnipeg Jets game, I want to see the post game with Paul Paul Maurice because I love his his sort of you know understated, sarcastic, dark not dark but sarcastic uh, sense of humor, and he right. and it comes out in the press conferences. But instead, we get to, get to watch the shark vacuum cleaner. Well, the other the other problem is too when you get the press conference after, you wonder if it's been edited too. Right. That's what which, I'm thinking. Which is why I go online later on because usually MSG Networks tweets it out or the Rangers end up tweeting it out and I get the whole press conference. Is why I usually put it into my – when I do my blogs because people – he does say some interesting stuff, Quinn. And he'll actually – not as good as Tortorella the other day basically finding the guy for his phone going off, which was right. awesome. But yeah. he's still pretty good, Quinn. Here. When um, the Jets first came back, the TSN was right in the they, – they launched TSN Jets, so you just had this TSN channel here. Right. And right after the game, they would go live into the dressing room once it was opened up, and then they just carry the whole press conference. It was awesome. Unedited, yeah. just totally raw. Yeah. And then when the channels all came out, all the other four channels, they just put it on there, and it was dropped. It was It was – such a drop in access and quality of, of content for the Jets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you remember some of those great Claude Noel quotes. I mean, they were brilliant. Maybe not such a brilliant coach, but, man, the guy was a quote machine. Right. And, you know, Paul Maurice is some super interesting stuff to say, and you just you get abridged versions of it now. And yeah, it's and too bad. And and I know the Leafs used to carry the, the, the Babcock press conference on their website. They used to stream it live. They don't do that anymore. I'm not sure why, but I, I believe, and I don't have access to Sportsnet and TSN, but I believe Sportsnet and TSN, after the game, they go to like a highlights package or they go to like a news show, and they'll yep. go to Babcock's press conference to, to cover it because it's only three minutes long and people are interested. But God forbid you can't see that on the center ice package because we got to find how to how to make salmon on a smokeless friggin' grill. Hey, there are things that are important. Maybe that's not the most important, but I mean, again, look, I'm, I'm one of those firm believers. I'm not a that salmon eater either. I think Mike hates salmon. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like salmon. I'm going to actually have salmon tonight. Oh, okay. Maybe, are you going to use the grill? <laughs> No, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a I'm gonna use a cast iron pan. Okay. That's the way to do it, cast iron. That's right. All right, let's get started, should we? <laughs> Wait, we have it. Here ended my rant. Yes, there ends the rant. Okay, here we go.
All right. Hello, Hockey World. It is Friday, December 21st, 2018. I'm pissed off Michael Agello. Yeah, whatever, right? I'm Jan Levine listening at an angry Michael Agello. <laughs> I, I, I'm Peter Tessier. That's, that's it. Way to go, Pete. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. <sighs> and I'm lost. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. It's the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in the comings goings in the hockey world. And, um, all I have to say for myself is, you know, you know what I have to start with. Don't stop. Oh, here, oh, we, here we go. Here we go. Point nine four four. One point five. What What did I What did I say before the debut of Carter Hart? I said this will not be played out in a game or a week. It will be played out in terms of what the ramifications are over a long period of time. Of if and if you know, great. They've hired. They they fired their coach. They brought in a new guy. There's always a, you know, everybody rallying around. They're actually team. trying twice as hard now than they were. Well, that, that's that's that happening, you know. Right, but event, but but the see the thing is, and I, you know, I'm fairly confident in this. Eventually, after this rally, after you know, they they rally behind the the goaltender, rally behind the coach. They're going <laughs> to settle back into what they are, and what they have been this year has been. One of the more underachieving teams in the league, and one of the one of the I'd say bad defensive teams in the league, and you cannot expect a twenty-year-old goaltender with a lot of potential to cover up for the morass of mistakes that the Philadelphia Flyers normally make on a, on a given night. So it's great that he's played two games. I think this is something that you know you should send him to the minors now, as Russ said. You know, send him, send him with a positive outlook. It's great. He's played two great games. You know what? He gets crushed six to one. The next game, what happens? Here, here's 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 the things that are really going on though. So after the first game, he did have a conversation with a sports psychologist because he said he was a little overwhelmed. Yeah, he was playing against great players, and and the sports psychologist set him straight, and that's great. Now, he's really open about that too. He's it's, it's kind of cool yes, about. He him. always has been, but again, uh-huh. there are going to be so many things on the horizon if they keep him up there that he's going to literally be calling this guy all the time. And that's, that's but you know, but that's better than not calling him. You know what I mean? Like, come no, on. I'm not saying it's not. But and, here's the, and, and there's a lot of athletes that use sports psychology, so it's not like he's an outlier. No, I know, but it, it's, I, it's rare that you hear it, especially from. I mean, especially from a guy who's like 20 years old, who is who people are saying like what you're saying, Russ. Like he's going to have issues mentally to be able to handle this. So that he's admitting to that kind of shows like the confidence this kid sort of has. I agree. It's a great resource, and he was more confident yesterday. His team is trying twice as hard than they ever did under Dave Haxtell, maybe this entire season. But here's the tricky part. So right now they're using him during the freeze because there have been no trades made. The anticipation or expectation is something will happen after the freeze. But what if it doesn't? You're going down a path where he's going to play five out of six, six out of seven, eight out of nine, nine out of ten. Norworth will play once every time they have to on a back-to-back and little else because they don't even want to play him. When is too much? When is when is that too much? Because Anthony Stellaris, it was too much after nine games. Yeah, but he's coming back. He's a different player. He's not coming back. Not anytime soon. But no, but no, but he was different. I mean, he was too much for a star. He's coming off an injury, is what I'm saying. Like that, that was that had that, that physical action. Right, but you understand this kind of workload is not what Carter Hart. Well, I I frankly would not have played him last night against Nashville. I but, thought that was crazy. But you know, they 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 did. Um, 
and he did look good and he did play well. I mean, a couple of little, little things he does that are very, that other Flyers goalies don't do is, and it's helping the Flyers defense a lot is the rebound control is just sure. way better than any, than the Flyers have had in the last couple of years. I mean, rebounds have killed the Flyers. Um, and he is very, very good at, um, at sucking up shots. Just, but, he, but, but it would, it would be definitely would be, one of his strengths for sure. I mean, there's, some, there's some negatives too. Like one of the things I've noticed a lot, and I, you ch- check this out next time you're watching a game with him in there. Um, so if if so if I'm I wish I could draw this out on a, almost on a whiteboard, but so if you if I'm the goalie, the puck's coming around to this side of me, right? So he's coming back on the on the right side of me. When it comes over there, he does this thing where he goes down on his knee, right, like this. And when he comes on this side, he doesn't do it, right. Kind of curious, like I don't know why one side and not the other. I'm assuming because, because, because the one side, the one because the one side he has the blocker and the other side he has, right. the he has the glove, right? Yeah, I thought that too, but um, either way, that's. Going down that going down thing doesn't work in the NHL really. Right. Well. I mean, it it doesn't. That, that's an, that's an NHL. He almost hockey. coughed one. He almost coughed one up in the trapezoid. I mean, we did talk about that the day before. Where oh yeah, his ability happened. to handle the puck is not is not good either. And that that's obviously. But he's smart in that he doesn't try to overhandle it. I think right. he he knows that that's he knows that's not a strength of his. Um, Jan, go go ahead. So it's interesting to me, I guess, is, is a couple of things. So first of all, he wasn't playing particularly well in the AHL when he got called up. And, and the question is, was that a technical issue? Was that a confidence issue? Was that him, quote unquote, being bored and thinking he's ready for this level? And then the first thing, once he got called up, the first thing I, I initially thought of was Steve Mason. Because you remember Mason, when he was 20 years old, played for Columbus, basically resurrected that season for a Columbus team that wasn't particularly going anywhere, right. won the Calder Trophy, and then he kind of plummeted afterwards. And... If, if Hart gets on a roll, and he's obviously the first two games he's gotten on that roll, it gets harder and harder for Philly to justify sending him down, even if he has a bad game or two. And right. they view it as this is their opportunity to save their season. Could, granted, it couldn't save the coaching staff, but now with a whole new fresh start, as you mentioned, they have a better focus. They have a better attention to detail. Oh, yeah. Now, whether or not that continues well, remains to be seen. But that for sure. It's, and you're it's right. kind of mixing part 2.0 all over again. Right, and the thing—I mean, the thing about it is, I've always said on the show, and I've always been a big proponent of that. There's two ways you can change the outlook on a team, and one is the coach, and the other is the goalie. The Flyers did both at the same time, right? So when you do that, you really do change. It was—it really was a, a good, fresh start for everybody. And you're seeing Gossespierre mm-hmm. getting back into his groove. You're seeing, you know, Provorov is still struggling. There's no question no, about Gossespierre- it. Only hit the net like once. He's still having problems. Yeah, yeah both let's not. Let's not. And maybe getting a little vacation very soon anyway after yesterday. So we'll see what happens. But you're seeing so, guys like um, you're seeing guys like Robert Hag and um, and Sandheim, who this this coach trusts more than the other coach trusted because he had him in the AHL. So getting a lot of ice time, which is better, which is definitely helping. Go ahead, Peter. Let's, let's not call call this an ale to the you know the, the to the Flyers' woes. The one thing that the team. You know, you've had a coach change, and you've had a goalie, and you brought in a, a heralded rookie goalie, and you know, future, future, you know, future guy of the team. What's What's really more important is how the players in front of those guys address yeah. this and say, "What do we like?" Right. They picked up some habits now to to deal with this, realizing everything's changing. The the longevity of this depends on what they're going to do as individuals in front of Hart or who's ever in that. And to Russ's point, you know what? Maybe keep him up for a little bit. Maybe not start him. 
give him another game, then send him back down, and then let's see if the proof is in the pudding of what these guys are doing. They're flying in front of pucks right now. They're blocking everything in sight. They all realize if they can can the GM, can the coach, and then bring up this guy, no one's safe. Yeah, right. So everyone's on their best behavior. So let's now get – let's see if they can continue this. And if these habits that they've got that they started are now long-term ones, not just a be- uh, the bump of the I, change. I do want to address something in the chat room. So yeah. it was I think it was Drew that said uh, he, he thinks that Hart is more mature than Mason. I watched Mason play for the London Knights live. I saw him. I interviewed him. I saw him talking to his agent. He was very mature too. It had nothing. Maturity had nothing to do with it. Like there's just, you don't know. A guy could look totally mature and look great and calm and great one year. And then you don't know what happens the next year. It's just something that nobody can do. I mean, you know, for whatever, I mean, I didn't know Mason as a younger kid, but Mason turned into kind of a bitter older guy. No, but that took a long, that was after Columbus misused him for years on end. Right. And then that's, that's the thing I'm concerned about here because, you know, Russ and I were talking, talking last night. And the thing you look at Hart played 17 games in the AHL. He was not the predominant number one starter in Lehigh Valley. He was sort of the 1A, 1B. They were they were making sure that they didn't overwork him. And now you call him up, you've played him two games straight. You're probably going to play him in one of the two games that the, the Flyers have of the weekend. And if he keeps winning, they're going to keep playing him, and they're going to keep playing him a lot. That can be detrimental. So it's like it's not like they ramped him up to be the number one and to and to take a you know play eighty five to ninety percent of the starts with the Flyers. This is something like they're riding the hot hand, the and, and the, the pressure will continue to mount on him. And yeah. I, I think it can be detri- detrimental to his career. So yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, after the trade freeze is over with, if Cliff, if Chuck Fletcher has not gotten himself a goaltender, I think he's doing a disservice to Carter Hart. Yeah, but but every goalie handles the the intensity and the challenge. Differently. I mean, we've seen we've seen all the information that's come out about goalies we knew nothing about mm-hmm. having breakdowns in between games and having to deal with all of the issues in terms of mental illness and everything else. And I'm not Glenn saying Hall threw that, up every game. Right. That's not the case here. Again, Hart has already admitted he uses a psychologist, which is a big plus. He's, yeah, he's admitted that he's, that for years. Yeah. Right. But he's also said, even recently, as you said, Russ, that he's willing to admit the fact that he called the guy to help him out. So yeah. he recognizes there is a potential risk there that he's working on yeah. remediating now. So it doesn't take it doesn't take into effect becoming a more prevalent issue as time goes on. Any goalie has issues in terms of being the number one netminder. If he's dealing with them now, I'm not saying they should or should not keep him up, but the way he handles the pressure, they should hopefully find that out internally by watching him. Us on the outside aren't going to know this just because we hear bits and pieces of information. Yeah, I've talked well, to a couple of the players. There's no but... pressure on Carter Hart until he starts appearing in videos with Gritty. So let's <laughs> just... Let's just, yeah. I mean, like, the once, he's a, gr- once he's a, grid, a Twitter star with gritty, then he can really start worrying about pressure. He just needs to keep focused and move along and do his job. And the last thing anyone needs to do is start making weird narratives coming from media and the, and the desperately hungry and overzealous Flyers fans that are going to turn something in, that it, that something turn nothing into something. Yeah. Let the guy just play hockey and keep him level headed. I agree. I mean, he, he, right now he's, he's, Almost too young to know what's going on. A little bit too, I think. That's 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 there too. And yet at the same time, you know, like you talk to players, talk to players on the team, and they just they can't believe how young he is. You know, players are really shocked at how young he is. Um, and you know, if you throw him into my my sis, my daughter's my daughter's high school, 
Yeah, he would look like he fit in perfectly fine. I mean, it's it's that's how it's he's just crazy young to talk to. I do want to report on the Nashville side too, though, because I, I, you know, not only watching the game. Yeah, yeah, the Preds. That, that was an interesting game for the Preds. The Preds are obviously facing a ton of injuries right now, and it, it goes be it's deeper than that. I was talking to Pete Weber for a long time, and they haven't scored a five on three all season. So that was the longest five on three occurrence they had all year, and still couldn't score. They're having power play problems. They obviously, and I asked Pete about this, the fact that they kept passing it to Yossi, even Ellis, because Yossi was sort of like calling for the puck and not scoring, like he doesn't understand, and I didn't understand why they didn't get off of that at some point. Yeah. That was sort of a fail. It was it, So they were going through all of that. And I'm not saying that that's why they lost. No, but they've, just, done, I mean, they've, they've been under 500 the last little bit here. They, they, they are they've got some issues now. They yeah, do. And the, I mean, they're, they're missing, they're missing Arvidsson. They're missing Forsberg and missing Subban. So those yep. are three guys who are oh, yeah. on their top power play. Yeah. I think Subban, Subban's a big one for them. Definitely. He, he, especially on the power play, you know, and, and, and just leadership wise and everything yep. like that. I mean, Ellis is a, Ellis is a great, like three or four, but he's not yeah. a great one or two, you know, like oh. Ellis is not. That's and 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 Yossi, of course, is is a great one or two, but you know they're really giving Ellis a ton right. of ice time, um, and he's playing every possible position. I mean, Rene looked pretty good last night. I thought Rene is excellent. And didn't Eckholm miss yesterday's game with an illness? Also, yes, he yeah. was out too. Right, so yeah, like, your top four defensemen out yesterday, also. Right, Eckholm is the dead O or something. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to Laviolette. Eckholm's Laviolette's favorite guy. Like he's there. He's there. He's his favorite defenseman on the team. So he. Ekholm gets a ton. I want to go do another game out west because I watched a little bit of this this morning on um on, Tampa, Tampa on, Bay Calgary. Yeah, Tampa Bay Calgary oh, game. Oh, I watched. I watched some of that. That was such an awesome game. And and really, I think was like the Calgary is for real game. You know what I mean? Like now we we kind of have seen. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, and no. But I mean, the one the one thing I because I watched a little of the third period and then the overtime and the and the shootout. Yeah. And I have to. I have to say, Russ, we we may have miscalculated on Louis Louis Domingue, at least maybe Louis Domingue now with confidence because he was great in the overtime yeah. and in the shootout. And he was doing these Gumby like uh, stretch, stretch saves yeah. uh, on, on the shootout, like, like Vasilevsky did. And I, I thought, you know, I mean, Riddick, Riddick played pretty good as well. Think, yep, you did. It's like Cam Talbot. You know, when you have McDonough, when you have Edmund, when you have a lot of that talent in front of you, you gain confidence from that. You do. Not that we never, we never thought Domingue was bad. We just never thought he was a one. Well, he, right. look, he got the confidence from playing every game when Vasilevsky was out, pretty much, except right. for maybe one. He played fairly well. His numbers weren't particularly good, but he was racking up wins because of the team in front of him. And you looked at the offense. Kucherov got hot. Stamkos got hot. I mean, um, the only the two issues on that team right now is Sergachev hasn't played particularly great lately, and JT Miller has been average. But if you look at Calgary, British has played really well, stepping in for Smith. And then you look at, I mean, to me, what I said in the offseason also, the Elias Lindholm trade, which I'm calling it the Lindholm trade now, has been an absolute boom for him and a boom for Calgary. He has made that team so much better and so much deeper. It's not even funny. I, called, yeah, that right, I called that right out of the gate when they made that trade. Like, that was the silly part of that trade was that he was included in it. Uh, and the other the other consequence of that deal was the fact that they had Hamilton playing with Giordano and they had Brody yeah. playing, I think, with Hamannick. And once they made that trade, they put Brody back with Giordano, and Brody's been much better. And Giordano is arguably one of the two or three guys yep. in the running for the Norris. So I mean, that was that was sort of addition by subtraction, and not any of this museum crap with with Hamilton. Just the the fact that the matchups on their blue line 
worked. But I mean, Peter, you you look at Tampa. They they went they you know they went in uh, you know they had a they had a great game against Winnipeg that was a, 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 a just a entertaining game. They, Actually, then Cal- like one more thing, he's yeah. under five million bucks, even though he's through twenty twenty four. I think yeah. the only reason that he was included in that trade was Calgary, so Carolina could lose money. What Lindholm? Yeah. No, he signed he signed the deal after the signed trade. The he was both was like, right. he, yeah. he wasn't. I don't think he was going to sign a long-term deal in Carolina. He wasn't sign no. Carolina, Carolina was only going to offer a bridge deal. Yeah. Carolina was going to offer a bridge deal. I was going to get a Calgary coach who knew him in Carolina and said, yeah, yeah. Peters. I mean, he knew Peters, and Peters basically helped bring him in there, and he signed a, a very long – I mean, look, and you look at it now, that is a great contract, not necessarily for him, but for the team based upon the terms that he got and requiring him with – you have Gaudreau, you have Monaghan, and you also have Matthew Kachuk. I mean, right. that's a pretty nice first four. Oh, you got Valimaki, Jankowski. Yeah. Like, yeah. They've got a lot of talent in Calgary. Sam, I mean, Sam their Bennett. bill's come and due. Make yeah. no mistake. Yeah. Their bill is come and due. Yeah, yeah so, but but were they lucked out? Were they lucked out, Peter? Is that they got Goudreau? He's under seven million. He's still yeah. under contract for another couple of years, I believe. They got Monaghan at six point three. So they, you know, yeah. Monahan. Monahan is just as I mean, Monahan's in the same league. Monahan's as, great. Monahan's yeah. phenomenal. The, the big thing yeah. is the deal contract hasn't worked out because to me that that's looking like a big bust of a deal right now. Who who's I'm sorry, James Neal. Yeah, that 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 one. We were all worried about that. We all were. We thought it was too yeah, long. Neal's Neal's a total bust, and I bet you that's a buyout because he's 31. He's got. Four well, more years of five point seven five. Yeah, that didn't. Yeah, work. that's that's yeah. gonna be a tough. Now, now I, I have to. Nashville missed him too. I think I think it was a bad move all around. Like I think that I think that he was. I mean, I'm not, not, not Nashville, Vegas. I think. I think you know, Vegas. I think he was just he, he was in a great spot in Vegas. You know, for him. I thought there was... I, I have to bring up your favorite name, Eck, because um, you know, Russ and I were talking about this, and it it, it sort of has to be talked about. Um, the Leafs win uh, last night over Florida six six to one. And they've scored 13 goals in their last two games. And William Nylander has not registered a point in either of those games. And he only has two assists in, I think, six games right now. Now, the understanding was everybody, even the harshest critic, was going to say, okay, he had no training camp. He missed two months of the season. I was the one who, after he was signed – in in the locker room uh, at the, at their practice facility, who asked Mike Babcock, "What about an AHL conditioning stint?" And he said, "A rather terse, no or none." Right. And you know that 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 was out of the question. And their sports science department said, "Well, he can get up to speed in a little under a couple weeks." Well, the couple <laughs> weeks are over with, science and time. he is out there. He's a ghost. He's not doing a thing. Now yeah. they're winning without his contribution, but. I'm sorry. They there was a miscalculation here. They should have sent him to the American League. They should have let him ramp up slowly yep. to get back up to speed. They didn't do that. He's playing on a third line right now with Nazem Kadri and Patrick Marlowe. Not exactly uncreative guys, and he's not not registering points. Russ, I think this was a miscalculation. They should have sent him to the AHL. It was. I thought for sure they were gonna do it. And I remember saying to you offline, in this day and age. It doesn't matter what player you are. You can't replicate not playing. You could skate around with a college team. You could go and work out every day, but you're not playing. You're not riding the bike after the game. Your heart's not racing the same way. You can't do it. And let's face it, the Nylanders have never been workout freaks to begin with. 
So you couple those two things, and now you're looking at a lengthy delay in what would be his offense. And I even, again, the games that I saw, he does look a little winded on the bench too, Mike, a little bit more, but you would know that better than me. Well, all I know is that uh, Joe Bowen, who's the play-by-play announcer for for the Leafs, was on one of their morning shows today, and he says – you know, Nylander really has to ramp up his effort. And I'm like, Russ, how many times have we talked about Nylanders, either his dad or or William, in terms of like one day he's great and he's, you know, the best player on the ice. And then it's like Alexi Kovalev. He's like, yeah. he's there and then he's not there. Yeah. And Alex Nylander is saying, you know, yeah, that's, that's a concern. I mean, it's, it, he, he's definitely, I mean, the holdout was, was, you know, very similar to something his dad would do, but he's not his dad. I think that it's hard to, yeah. And I, I just, I think there's his a, dad was a very talented I, think, player. I, think, I think it's not just a matter of coming in and not being in shape. It's also a matter of coming in with the pressure of, you know, I wasn't here for such a long time, made such a big deal out of it, got so much money and now I'm supposed to do something, you know, that also is really, well, um, do you really think if Austin Matthews had a layoff and he's had him when he's gotten injured, even if he signed a new deal, there would be a slowdown in his offense. I don't, well, no, but he's he's awesome. Different personalities and different type of players. Yeah, Ross. He's just, I mean, he's I'm not. But I'm, but I'm just saying that's where I'm saying I get what Eck is saying, but I think this is really about fitness. I do. And I'm not, and I'm not, well, I see, I don't know if, Mostly I, don't know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's about fitness. All I know is I made a joke yesterday on Twitter. I says, they, obviously they don't sell Rustoleum in Sweden because, you know, he's the, 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 the iron oxide on his game still is, is they're flaking <laughs> off of him. It's just, you know, he, he, he just doesn't seem engaged. And, you know, honestly, when you have, you know they're lucky in the respect that Tavares and Matthews and Marner and Morgan Riley and Kadri are carrying the ball, but eventually they're going to need Nealander to kick it in. And I mean, I I think that everybody expected there to be a little bit of a slow ramp up, but there there hasn't been a ramp up. It's, it's it, there hasn't been anything. Now maybe eventually he just breaks out and scores two goals that's, and two that's, assists. That's, that's what I'm thinking. He has that one. If he has that one big game. And that's what's basically set him off to get on a hot streak, in my opinion. I think but he's playing. Like, he, he may be stick too hard. He may be thinking too much on the ice. He may be trying to do too much to justify the contract. Because as you said, all of the rationale and the reason, he's the one who put the pressure directly on himself by right. the holdout, by the deal, by signing just before the deadline. I agree with you. They probably should have given him a lot longer of a um, a lot longer of a window to get ready. Um, because of the fact the team was playing well enough, and now he and the team are both suffering. Because well, let, let's also the reason another reason I think it's fitness. He would play at eleven and a half, eleven minutes and thirty-seven seconds last night. Yeah, well, yeah. You know what? These things happen for a lot of reasons. There's there's fitness. It's also timing. Yes. Like you got to remember now. You like he might be able to skate up and down the ice perfectly fine, but you're not seeing things. You, you can't train for games without playing games in there, right? Right. We've seen it before. You know, it, 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 you know, it, it just happens. And guys go through weird things. And, and in a comparable to Nylander, at least is how some used to say it when they're talking contract, was Nick Ehlers. And Ehlers had a lousy start to the season, couldn't buy a goal. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't, do, he wasn't shooting, wasn't doing a whole bunch of things. Now the guy's on pace for 33 goals. And it, it'll come with it'll come with Nylander. It's just he's got to find where he fits in, and and the teams evolved. He's come in two, th- you know, a third of the way into the season, and the teams evolved a bit. It's grown a bit, 
it's it's changed from when he last suited up for the Leafs, which was a playoff loss. Well, need I remind you? And, yes. <laughs> and and and, and no. now they're different. You in each year, and I believe Paul Maurice is really he said this about the Jets this year. And I believe it's the same case for a team like the Leafs with a lot of young stars and talent. Each year, you got to redefine your own identity. Right. You got to redefine who you are. So those guys have done it. Nylander wasn't a part of it. He's right. he's thinking he's playing like last year. It's changed, yeah. and it's going to take him time to catch up. But and and to that to that point, Peter, it's like at, at the point that he was signed, they had learned to play without him. Exactly. They, they 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 you know Janssen and Kapanen had had taken over sort of uh, you know filled the role that he had you know that's why I was mostly an advocate of him being dealt not because he's not a good player not because of the contract but because they had sort of compensated for his absence mm-hmm. and they need and and they still need that top four defenseman which eventually I think they're going to trade for this year but now you have a I mean and granted it's a it's a it's a it's a six or seven game. Uh, window and we're talking about you know we'll see what he does after 20 to 25 games but if you try to trade William Nylander now based on how he's playing and you know that general managers would use that as a means to lowering you know saying well he's good but I need something more because he's not playing that well well I mean you you could have trade hit traded him while he was in in the midst of the negotiation and gotten top four to a top four defenseman so I mean we'll, we'll see We'll see. I mean, I, I I personally still think that next summer he's going to be the guy that gets moved out when Marner and Matthews get paid. Uh, I I have a few friendly bets with a few other people that think that that's not the case, but you know, be, but I I still think that that that's the case, and we'll we'll see. So anyway, um, I'm not sure where Aquant. Oh, okay. Um, all right, let's talk about some of the other games in the league. Oh, I wanted to bring this up you though. Title the show though, top four defensemen. Let's do that so we can do that. Well, uh, I know it. I know I'm. I know I'm a one-note Charlie when it comes to. I just want to title the show that. That's all. Yeah. That's that. We're marking this one down because we're including this on the list of ones where you've mentioned it. So, yeah. yeah so here's okay. This is vodka on I on the rocks. You know, I'm dr- drinking because I said top four defense. But there you go. All right. Um, so other than other than the Leafs game last night and the, and the Flyers game, which we talked about, the Bruins uh, beat the Anaheim Ducks. Three to one. The rust. The one thing that a lot of people are saying is they don't know how Anaheim is doing it right now. That they're doing it with smoke and mirrors. That you know they're, you know, uh, Getzloff is not the Getzloff of old. They're you know they're without Fowler. You know Gibson is facing forty shots on most nights, but they still they're still winning and they're still in the they're still in that Pacific Division mix. Well, I you know I was on duck calls the other night and we were talking a lot about the team. And the impression that I get and what I've seen, I've watched a fair amount of their games lately, is, yeah, first thing is definitely Gibson, right? It all starts through Gibson. But they've made some good trades recently. I mean, again, I was a fan of Marcus Patterson, but they got Carter Rowney. And actually, he's a guy with a little bit of experience that that walked in there and has done something for them. And mm-hmm. I think these little trades by Bob Murray when he was going through these these injuries that he had has really helped the team. Also, Richie's back, right? So that's that's a big thing. They still are a big team. They are a big, rugged team that can control the puck and can control the corners. And even though we love speed in this league, every once in a while when you face a team like that, like even the Flyers when they were going up against Nashville in the corners, they were getting killed. Right. They won that game, so, so good for them. But they did pay a physical price. 
I think yeah. that's what happens when you pay play Anaheim now. It's, it's it's good when you can trade from a from a position of strength, and we know that for a long time their position of strength has been defense. But Daniel Sprong's got three goals in eight games. Sure, and you knew I mean, he was good. I mean, there's well, no two of them in one game though. Yes, right, but still, but still, Jan, they, they're they're giving him the opportunity well, that Pittsburgh never gave that's him. What it is. I, I, again, I think the, the bigger key is also is, is Auberg's played very well. Surprisingly, he's had ups and downs. When he's hot, he's really hot. Kosh has been phenomenal lately, putting him on the first line. Mm-hmm. Um, Henrique has been very good overall for them. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned, there it's been Gibson. I mean, Gibson's been phenomenal, even with all the injuries on their defense. Gibson's been the one guy who's been the standout. He's been keeping them in games and. Most of their games have been relatively low-scoring games because Gibson has yeah. been standing on his head. And a lot of the games have been 2-1, 3-2 finals. And you look when Raquel comes back and when Fowler comes back and the lineup gets a little bit lengthened, that's a team, in my opinion, out west. If Gibson continues to play as he had, that's going to be really dangerous down the stretch when they all get healthy. I'm still not sold on Kessler lasting the whole year based upon his injury history. Right. But Henrique and sliding him into the number two center spot Maybe the route to go, and then you slide Kessler down to the three spot and use him as a checking line center. There's probably a better course of action. Well, P- and Peter, I, I I was just looking up the the Ducks uh, stats and guys who you expect to score a lot more. And I'll just read off a couple of them and get your impression on it. Silverberg, 15 points, nine goals, six assists in 32 games. Uh, um, Cagliano, two goals, six assists in 37 games. And the one that uh, Jan just mentioned, Ryan Kessler in 34 games, four goals, two assists. I mean, I don't know how they're winning with such, you know, these are key players and they're not scoring. Gibson's playing unconscious. Right. Right. Like that's it. And if it, you know, if Gibson goes down, then watch And just those two tweaks, Peter, those couple of tweaks when they, could fill some bodies in, have really helped. Like you said, Sprong gave him three goals. Yeah. You know, they, they got some players that they desperately needed. They were desperate. But, we got but it's, the, know, it's, he, it's the young guys. It's yeah. the young guys. Kasha, uh, uh, Comtois. Yeah, Kasha had oh. a good game the other day. Aubrey has been great. You can Aubrey. say a lot of things about Randy Carlisle, and he doesn't fit with everything, but he does have some ability to do some things. He may not be finding ways to win pretty right now, and he may be running on a very dangerous sort of idea that he's going to rely on Gibson and pray for the best that way, but that's all he has to do, and he's finding right. ways to get this team to at least do enough to be in games. If their goalie can keep them around, they can win. And, and you know, he as much as people want to be hard on Carlisle, he deserves some credit too because it's not easy to do that either. And they've also lost Ryan Miller and Chad Johnson came in and yeah. actually played a great game against the, the Rangers the other night also. So I'm not I'm not necessarily buying it, but I think he did use Miller spot, spot using him sporadically enough to give Gibson a rest when he needed it, but also giving Miller enough opportunities to be able to stand in when they needed it. So with him out, that's going to be the key. How how much confidence will Carlisle show in Johnson to give Gibson enough rest so you don't completely burn him out by the time they finally get healthy? You know, I was going to say about Auberg, he he started to get a little bit of a jump when Nashville was able to use him a little bit in the Stanley Cup. And and he, yeah, now that he's getting a lot more opportunity, again, Anaheim has been able to give these guys more opportunity than the other clubs that, you know, got rid of them. But the hilarious thing about this is that a team that is nearly bereft of wingers 
the Edmonton Oilers. They traded for Auberg. They placed them on waivers. Yeah. They lost them on waivers. I mean, you look at some of the players that are playing on the wing in Edmonton and you say, this guy couldn't play for you? I think, I, you know what? I think Auberg got the Patrick Sharp treatment. I, I think, other than trading him, I think Hitch probably just said he can't play. Oh, no, no, it was, it was McClellan. It was before. Hitch, okay. Yeah, it was before. It was before, but but you know he's played thirty-one games in Anaheim, so this was early. This was like mid-October, but still, you look, you look at. I wouldn't have gotten rid of him. I think Auberg has shown things over yeah. the years, but I guess, I guess they didn't see anything in him. It wasn't working, but they shouldn't have waited. Because yeah, the GM in Edmonton has done an absolutely phenomenal job lately. It's clear that he's yes. right on top of his game. <laughs> I mean, it's not all been bad there. We we there is some good there too. I mean, we can't. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. But you look at a lot of the deal. First of all, we won't even go through the contracts that were dished out. Getting uh, chased on has actually worked out fairly well. I mean, if you look at the deals, Tobias Reader has he really done much? The Lucic contract is is an absolute embarrassment. Yeah. Reader's been um, hurt for most of the year, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Spooner for Strom, the jury's out. But now Spooner's been moved down to the third and fourth line. Yeah, so that I was mean, that's just problem child for, for problem. For, child. For, for lack of a better term, that was a crap for crap deal. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was it was problem yeah. child for problem child. I agree. Um, okay, now uh, some other games last night. Uh, the Penguins follow up, and this is impressive. They, they follow up a very emotional, very physically demanding t victory over Washington. Back-to-back -back games, and they beat Minnesota 2-1 to one on two goals from one of Russ's favorites, Brian Rust. Yep. Um, maybe on fire, by the way. Eight they, goals last nine games. Yeah. Maybe he's related to William Nylander. Um, so Kate, speaking, Kate, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of, okay, Pittsburgh and Minnesota, can we – start saying that Bruce Boudreaux might be on the hot seat now. They're falling nah, out. They're going they're, through a downturn. They're That's three cool. and seven in their last 10. Yeah. They're on a three-game losing streak. Um, they're be they're not be they're be losing the teams they should be beating. And and, and they lost they lost Matt Dumba a couple games which, ago which and is, the the indication is it's a long-term upper body injury. Weeks, they said. But the thing is, yeah. they're also finally moving Jason Zucker back up to the top line to try to start his right. game. He's been he's been horrific. And, and honestly, he and Stahl were actually fairly good earlier in the season. They moved them around. So, you know, you look early. You had Stahl playing well. You had Zucker playing well. You had Parise playing well. Niederreier was up and down. Coyle, in my opinion, has been way too up and down. Miko Koivu, I think they need to shift him back to the number two center, move him on a line with Parise, shift Zucker back yeah. up to the top line with Stahl. Go with those guys and see what ends up happening. All, all the machinations and moving things around to try to spread out the offense hasn't worked. You got to you got to load those top six, put Greenway down to the third line, and see what happens there, and see if we can recapture how you played earlier in the year. Because right now that offense has been has been horrific in terms of yeah. generating well, anything. Russ, I, I like to, I always like to con connect the dots, and I, I you know we know that Fletcher is in a trade posture with the Flyers, and I you know. He didn't. Nobody knows the, the the wild and the depth of that organization better than Fletcher, since he was GM there for so long. I have mm -hmm. a weird feeling that you'll see, you know, a a Minnesota Philadelphia deal before the deadline, simply because Minnesota is probably trying to go for it now because they have a lot of now players, and Philadelphia is looking for futures. Yeah, they are, and and that's true. Um, I'm I want to mention on the Pittsburgh side this whole Pascal Dupuis thing. Okay, because he. You know, anytime these guys come in town and they haven't been with the team and then they give it, you know, they give an interview in not in their native language so they could sort of hide what they're saying always drives me crazy. And 
I just he basically what did he say? He said, um trying to find it. Uh okay. I think part of the problem here is he's not adjusting, meaning Mike Sullivan. He's quick to blame Kessel Malkin after a few years, yada yada yada. Oh, all this kind of stuff, right? And Sullivan fired back. I have to tell you, was I a critic of Mike Sullivan as a Tortorella assistant? Yes. But as a co- head coach for Pittsburgh, he's done a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. And I saw him for like two straight weeks when I was covering the kickoff classic. He was in that rink a lot because they practiced there, right? And it was at the Lemieux Complex. He runs a great practice. He talks to fans and guys. He is completely plugged in. This was a blindsided shot by Dupuy, and to be honest, if, right now, and I mentioned about a, week, a couple of days ago that I thought Pittsburgh was on the rise, and I do see it now. I mean, Murray's starting to play. You're going to talk about Casey the Smith, what he's done. Right. He's held all that together. I just don't understand Pascal Dupuy at all. Like, that was just – and he's trying to walk it back now, but it's, like, too late. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I do see, and it was the Smith who got the victory yesterday. I do see, you know, the the pieces sort of coming together now. Uh, one sidelight from the uh, the the big Tom Wilson Alexiak fight. Alexiak suffered a concussion in that fight, and you know we know the uncertainty in terms of concussions and and how long he could be out. And he's been a pro, you know, a key for them on the blue line. Cause he's been, I, I, you know, when they got him from Dallas, I don't think any expect anybody expected him to be anything more than a six or seven. And I think he's been better than that. And he's a big, he's a big dude. Um, but you know, if he's out for a while, I mean, their defense has been a problem. Matt Mata's not been the guy. Hornquist was out. Hornquist is a major player. And Hornquist is out yeah. as well. So, um, okay. wait, wait, one other thing. So in the chat room, they said, you know, they were talking about, apparently it's between like, a, I only gave you a brief thing, but, possible rift between Malkin and Kessel. But but again, Jordan and Pippen didn't get along well. Yeah, but this they, is the, 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 let's just say this. The window on Phil Kessel is passing. It's the, I've heard this before. He was he was in Boston for four or five years and he had to get out. He was in Toronto for four or five, you know, so that that it's three to five years and after which you know the dysfunction of Phil Kessel you know, it gets- you know, there's no dysfunction with Phil Kessel. What I'd like to point out is he is an odd guy. Right. He that's the dysfunction. But that, but he's sort of like a hayseed. But that doesn't mean that he's bad for a team. Phil Kessel is a hockey savant, and you sort of have to deal with that as a team. But I don't think it's like a bad thing with Phil Kessel. And let's face it, Malkin has his own issues too. I mean, Malkin is headstrong. He always has been headstrong. So if these guys don't talk a lot, who cares? Um, oh, they just need to produce on the ice and not make it. everyone else rip each other's throats. Who cares if they don't go to each other's Christmas party? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the Detroit and Carolina last night, you know, two teams I, I seriously doubt, even though Detroit's got 35 points and is not like mathematically out of right. you know, climbing back into the race. I, I don't think that you, you saw you saw Detroit uh, earlier this week, Russ. I don't think they're, you know, I think they're more likely to trade off the guys like Cronball and Vanek at the deadline. Than what we Adam. learned is, is that in the warmups, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Mike uh, Green? No, the goalie. Oh, oh, um, for, 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 I'm sorry. Oh, but Bernier or Jimmy Howard? Jimmy Howard, sorry. Yeah, Jimmy Howard got injured in the warmups and they went with Bernier. And then we realized 
why Jimmy Howard has that 922 save percentage because Detroit is really soft in and around the net on on defense. That's a big deal. The fact that Larkin has some amazing stats this year on just in a lot of different categories, he's doing a lot of that on his own again because they they are like a one and a half line team. They do have some skill guys. I mean, Rasmussen looks good. I mean, Martin Furk now is down on the fourth line, so he's just an occasional goal. They don't have a lot of firepower, and they don't have a lot from the blue line. That's like, you know, Green's still out, right? So Chalowski has been pretty good. And they actually, called, I think, they called up Philip Ronick. Yeah, and Ronick's okay. They just don't have enough. Well, I mean, this game, they faced their old compatriot, Peter Morazic, who gave him an early Christmas gift by giving up three goals on 23 shots. And I think there was an empty netter mixed in there. But like, the you know, like Morazic is like a fourth or fifth starter in baseball. He comes in and he either plays at the average or below average. That's what he does. Yeah. Now, Peter, the, the, we were talking about this before we started the show. And, uh, you know, Carolina's owner, uh, Thomas Dundon, comes out in uh, an interview last week and says, you know, they need snipers, which I, I, of course I, I say, okay, well you traded Lindholm and you traded Skinner. So yeah, you trade, you need snipers cause you traded them, but you look at that team and there's been some rumors about them possibly be, being in on uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. If, uh, if, if St. Louis is amenable to, to moving him and Elliot Friedman reported in his 31 thoughts this week that the name um, that I mean, is I don't know if it's part of a package or be the main name going back would be uh, former first round pick Martin Neckish, who's playing for the Czechs in the World Juniors. Right. I, you know, I'll I'll go along with Russ here. I don't know whether that is enough. I would think it would have to be more. You know, there'd have to be more than just Neckish, even though I think he's a great prospect. You're talking about a dead certain thirty five to forty goal scorer in Tarasenko. Yeah, I think it's it's not enough at all. I mean. And I think knowing Dundon as we do, he'd probably want to shed some salary on the way back too if he's going to take on seven and a half million. Absolutely. So, right? Where does that come from? Well, Justin I mean, Falk, maybe. Justin Falk. Yeah. Yep. You know, does it like Justin Williams because he's a UFA? No, no, no. He but but he's, he's like he's the team captain. I, I somebody yeah, else brought up no, Justin Williams, and it's like, how can they trade? Well, they can trade him. They, they can trade anybody. Him. Rindamore will lose it if he trades them. He won't. How about, yeah. I mean, I'm not, like, I'm not the saying they the should. Rask, I'm just maybe. saying you look at odd logical things, them. then he's an RFA. That makes it, but that's it. But probably Justin Falk. So, you know, that's a good couple building pieces. And, and you know, if you're getting Justin Falk, you know, and you're St. Louis, what do you uh, – what are you doing on your defense, right? It sort of is well, that, that the kind of change factor. You, if you do get Justin Falk, that does open it for you to trade. Yeah, Paul. like that changes a few things. To trade Pareko or trade Pedrangelo. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll take some questions in the chat to finish up the show, but I wanted to ask Jan because, you know, regarding the regarding the Rangers, and, you know, the, the Rangers are doing better than I think anybody expected. I mean, they're they have 35 points right now. If you look at the standings, that they're five points behind Pittsburgh, six points behind Columbus in the Metro. Wild card wise, they're six points behind Montreal. Montreal had a win over uh, Arizona yesterday, but so they're they're not out of it. But the fact that they're that close in a year that everybody thought that not they were tanking, but that they, you know, that they weren't going to be that good and they would be 
more into the Hughes sweepstakes. I, I, I like I don't know where they're going in terms of Quinn and in terms of the direction as we approach the deadline. Are they going to trade their UFAs? Are they going to keep them? What are they going to do? I mean, it's been an interesting year, and Russ can probably weigh in just as well as I can. You know, they start off three seven and one. You're not playing too badly, but you can't you can't buy a win. Then you reel off a nine one and one stretch, and and everything looks great. But we also know there's some underlying issues behind it in terms of still with puck possession and playing your own zone. And it's similar to Gibson playing great for Anaheim. You had Lundqvist playing great for the Rangers. Then you flip the switch again, and then they go two five and three in their next ten. They've struggled on the road. I think they have. They think they're a four nine on the road with all four wins coming in shootouts right now. Maybe there's one more recently in there that I'm missing. It's a team that's still gaining confidence and learning the system under Quinn. He wants to be a fast puck possession, hard-hitting type of game, straight line type of a game, getting guys to get out of their mindset of shoot of pass first instead of shooting. You look at the difference he's made with, with Nemesnikov. It's something that Brooks wrote, um, that Nemesnikov has really done a 180 to where he was early in the season. He's been scratched. You look at what Philip Hedl has done in terms of the confidence that he's gained. But but as you said, the direction that are going, are, are you getting this has been a debate on my blog every single day. Matt Zuccarello, I think almost everybody says, you know what, he's gone. You might as well trade him. Even if you want to bring him back at an amazingly low-cost contract down the road, there's no reason to keep him because even if you're making the playoffs by some quirk of fate, you're probably not going to go very far. And you'd be much better served to building yourself and continue to building yourself for the future. The guy that's the the big debate. That seems to come up in every single blog, and everybody's got a different view on it, is Kevin Hayes. Is What do you do with Kevin Hayes? I was the guy who said last year that he was misused under AV early in the season. He, he pigeonholed him into a 3C role where he was a defensive center. And finally, after all those trades, they moved him up to a 2C. And you finally got to see he's got a little bit more offensive talent than, than maybe people thought originally. And then this year, he's heaped a bit more responsibility on him. He started to use him on the power play. He's playing him with more talented offensive guys. And the question becomes, because Hedl and Anderson are also centers, and also Brett Howden, who you brought up, what are you going to do with Hayes? Can one of those guys play at wing like Hedl's doing right now and still keep Hayes as your 2C? Or do you have to maybe move him? And then do you move him and try to resign him down the road? Do you take that risk of him going elsewhere, like a Colorado, or maybe even a Nashville, or maybe even a Boston's invention, but especially Colorado, really fitting in well there, them signing him long-term, and then you lose the ass that you have. I've been on record the whole time, and Russ can probably test to it. I do not want Kevin Hayes traded. I want Kevin Hayes signed to a long-term deal. The rebuild is not that far away. There's talent in the system. There's more talent you're going to add, even with the cap going up and even signing Hayes. And the, the, with Coupled with the issue with the big guys you signed, Brandon Smith's making a ton of money, hasn't produced. Mark Stahl has actually been much better than expected. He's got two more years at $5.7 million. Kevin Shattenhurk, unfortunately, has been an abject disaster despite me wanting him. And Brady Shea, I think he needs to stop hanging out with Jimmy VC and living with VC and with with um, with Kevin Hayes because that hasn't worked out particularly well. But if you bring in a guy like a Panarin or a Stone and you have Vitaly Kravtsov coming over next year and you look at the top of that lineup with Kevin Hayes as your 2C, that's a pretty darn good lineup with, with Lundqvist with two more years under his contract. So well, I, I'm not of the mindset of getting rid of Hayes. I'm not of the mindset of basically trying to win this year. I think you do try to move a Zuccarello. You do try to move other guys, but you do try to keep Kevin Hayes for the long term. Well, then, that, then the question is in terms of how much you spend on Kevin Hayes. Now, he's got Dick, 20. No, I'm, I'm let, me, let, me, let me ask Russ. He's got 27 points right now, making, I think, $5 million. What do you, I mean, what, 
if you're if you're re-signing them, what are you paying them? What's the term? I mean, I I, I don't know if I would go more than six million a year on a three or four year deal, and he's probably going to want more and longer term. I mean, I would really only give him six by four, but I still, no matter what, I would trade him and get the assets if he really wants to come back. Right, come back, and I think that's the part where I don't think the Rangers can mess around with because. I do think the window is closing on this rebuild, and this is the last shot you're going to get on getting assets on him and Zuccarello and guys. And these are assets you're still going to need down the road, even if you're trading draft picks and whatever else you might garner from this. Um, I do have a, I do, I want to say that I have an exclusive from Vitaly Kratzoff on my website, sportsology.com, right now. So that a little bit about the Rangers, a little bit about the World Juniors, not a ton, but you know, obviously it's hard to get a hold of them. So, and, Russ, and, let me ask, Mike, one second. Russ, let me ask this. Obviously, Brooks wrote Cal Makar from Colorado, and that, that would be like the the, the high end that you would get, impossible. right? A dream. I agree. Wholeheartedly, it's a dream. But again, teams that are going for it sometimes will make decisions that none of us agree with. Yeah. What else are you trading Hayes for? If you're getting a middling return, are you still taking the risk that he doesn't come back just to get that middling return? Well, it won't be a middling return. It'll be pretty good. They'll get a first, first round pick. They'll okay. get a first round pick, and that could be better than Kevin Hayes. We always have to look at that. And then they'll get a prospect too. Yeah, they're never going to get Kale McCarr like that. If, if Brooks really thinks that he hasn't seen him play, no, no, he, he wrote that it was a pipe dream. I mean, I'm just it's, saying, okay, no, it's a pipe dream. It's an impossibility. Right. Okay? It's an impossibility. Right. He will play for them if his season ends with UMass this year. He's what, if it was Connor, what if it was Connor Simmons in a one? Is that enough? Connor no, Simmons in a enough. one. No. No. I mean, that's a, that's like trying to make a trade with Winnipeg last year and ask and asking for Roslovic. And I think Makara is a better prospect than Roslovic. I mean, you're going to shoot the moon because you think the team is desperate. You know, Colorado's got a chance, you know, not a great chance, but I think they have a chance to come out of the West if everything happened the right way. But they're not going to give up their prize prospect in Makara. If you give me Dylan Gambrell and a first – I'll take that. Say that again, Russ. I said, if you give me Dylan Gambrell in a first, I'll take that. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, Russ, see if there are any questions yeah. in the chat. Um, we'll take a couple. If, Jan, if you have to go, that, that's cool. Um, we're just going to answer a few questions before we uh, sign off. We'll probably be doing a show on Christmas Eve. Um, uh, and obviously we'll have Christmas day off and I'm not sure about boxing day, but, uh, we'll, we'll keep everybody informed regarding Christmas day. I'll be at the movies. That's what Jews do. Uh, yeah. Eating Chinese food. <laughs> I'm doing that on Christmas Eve. So you can eat my leftovers on Christmas day. No, I'm getting oh. that. I, I get right. myself. Esmir, Esmir brought up a quandary and he was like, <laughs> how does, you know, Peter Morozik have a job and Steve Mason doesn't. It's simply because Mason has turned down some offers. Yes. We don't know why. We don't know if it's because he's like Rick Nash and he's not sure if he wants to come back or if it's the perfect situation or if it's term. We don't know. Have you it's... looked at some of the goaltenders who are playing right now? Yeah. That's, honestly, that's why Peter Morazic has a job because yeah. there, there are other goaltenders out there who don't deserve to be in the NHL, but they are. All right, so – Mike asked, Russ, do you think the Pens will keep Schultz on LTIR a season to use his cap relief in a trade and then bring him back for the playoffs? Who's that? Uh, Justin Schultz. Oh. Justin Schultz. If it works out that way, they will, but I don't know if it's going to work out exactly that way. So that's going to be hard. I don't know if they're going to be able to maneuver that. I mean, look, and as you said, we talked, Russ, the other day, unless they're going to deal Hallander or Addison, they're not getting a big-time player back either. Right, right. They would – I think at this point, based on, you know, 
what I believe. And I, I think they would trade Addison before they trade Hallander. That's, that's what I think. Because even though we all say, hey, the Penguins need defense, they always need forwards last minute. And Hallander is a guy that is pretty exceptional and bright and talented and can play a lot of different positions. He can play literally every position on offense. So based on that, I think he's too valuable because he'll end up being in the lineup sooner than later. So, I yeah. Don't put, I don't put anything past Jim Rutherford. I, I I won't be surprised if the if the Penguins do anything. I mean, oh, you know, no, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. I, I'm just saying, am I, I'm, again, for them to get a big-time player, obviously they've already made their move getting, you know, the Pearson for Hagelin deal, which Pearson hasn't played particularly well the last couple of weeks. He had a nice little initial blush. Well, Hagelin's hurt. So it's it was a nice addition to lengthen the lineup. If you're going to get a quote-unquote difference maker, those are the two guys that everybody's going to want for a difference maker. And right, the difference let me give you a scenario. Okay. Let me give you a scenario because even though we all believe that there's no way the Penguins would trade with the Flyers and vice versa, Wayne maybe, Simmons? They maybe they could. And so, you know, Wayne Simmons definitely comes up. I think Craig Patrick is back with, with Pittsburgh now, right? And <laughs> – He's been at the Wells Fargo for like two weeks straight, just scouting, scouting, scouting. And so if I'm Pittsburgh, I could offer up Tristan Jarry now that Casey DeSmith has shown me that he could be capable and, and play a fair amount of games. Tristan Jarry might be enough currency or Jarry in a pick to get Wayne Simmons. And I think that's a trade that's just sitting out there. And Jarry basically splits time with hard as well. <laughs> Peter, Flyers, well, fans, Flyers fans would lose their lose their minds. Yeah. They might, but it's not impossible. That's the thing. I'm just saying I get the lose your mind part, but you do have to trade Simmons at some point. Mm -hmm. Do you really believe in this season that the Penguins and Wayne Simmons will come back and haunt you in the playoffs? Because I think you're delusional if you do. No, you're not going to make the playoffs if you're the, you're the Flyers. I mean, so what is care. the real world? So if you're not going to make the playoffs, then by all means, you have to trade Simmons. There's no reason not to. Right, I, I agree, but I'm just I'm just saying like there are certain teams like you know Toronto and Montreal normally don't trade when when Toronto gives up a second round pick for uh, a guy who was washed up in Thomas Pekanitz. Of course, they're going to make that deal because Montreal's robbing them blind. If you think about it. If you think about it, there's no good reason for Wayne Simmons to be playing on the second line anymore. He's not producing like he like he should. And again, Craig Patrick is, is back with Pittsburgh and he is very sharp. And I mean, I just can't imagine unless he lives in Philly, why he's been there so much. So I think they've been charting Simmons. I do. A couple more questions and we'll end the show. Okay. Uh, I lost the window. So hold on. All right. Uh, okay. So Thomas is asking, if I, you know, about this hit on boy Chuck and is suspension warranted. I didn't see that. But there was a hit on Couturier into the glass that is definitely warranted. I think it was Johansson that did it. And it drew nothing in the game. And again, I just have to go back. Why do we see these shots that are head shots and there's no call in the game? Well, the, the, the referees are shirking their responsibility as being the defender of the other other team because God knows they've wanted to eliminate the accountability from the other the other team in terms of a, an aggressive player. I mean, honestly, Brian Johansson, it was I thought so. In in the in the wake of the whole Tom Wilson thing with Alexiak and Wilson, I mean, 
if if your team out there, unless you have if unless you play with team toughness, unless everybody is held accountable, a guy like Tom Wilson or a guy like in his prime like Milan Lucic, you know, who not anymore, but I'm saying that guy is a difference maker on the ice. And if you cannot counter that, you will lose. And that's I mean that's the one thing, Peter. I mean, one thing I respect about Winnipeg is you know there's I mean Buffalo is a big tough dude, and he will and they but they have it's more than one guy. It's not Buffalo. It's Lowry. It's yeah. Wheeler. There and are they four managed or five to keep, guys. Yeah, and the, and you know and then they've got Trumbo. this this idiot Brendan Lemieux running around too. Well, let's and, let's point out something too, Peter. Like Alexiak was never a fighter. He's no, not no. a fighter just because he's a big guy. He's not a fighter, and I tweeted that game because I didn't understand why Pittsburgh was even bothering trying to exact this revenge on Tom Wilson with Alexiak. It was dumb, and now you've lost your defenseman. He's well. He's, it was. It, it was. Yeah. It was. It was. It was instigated in a way by Jim Rutherford's comments about yeah, Wilson. It was, it was all ill, ill conceived. Yeah, and, and you know, this is the stuff that just needs to like. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I remember when it happened. I heard. I actually haven't even seen the replay, but he was still out of it on the bench. Wasn't oh, no, he was. I saw it. I yeah. watched it live. Oh yeah, it's just it's just crazy. He got just totally crazy. But you know, Mike, I think to your point, like Dustin Bufflin's an anomaly, right? Like yes. we call like you know you call you call um uh what's his face Kessel a hockey savant. Bufflin's sort of the defensive version of that. Like he shouldn't be able to do what he does. He's yeah. he's a giant. He actually skates fairly well. Yeah. And he can, you know, he's got fairly good hands. He can score. He's just he's just an oddity. He is he's such a nuanced thing. And he's like this gentle giant. Yeah. But the to your point though, he he plays tough by playing. I don't want to say tough. He's the Jets are tough because they play with authority. They yeah. don't have to be a, a bunch of thugs or have guys in the lineup who will beat you up. But you no. play with authority and, and 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 such. And you need certain types of players to do that. And they've done a really good job of finding a group that can play with authority and take it at you and battle hard. Well, Bu- Bufflin's the type of guy that you don't want to start getting physical with the Jets. You don't want to wake yeah. him up because when you wake no. him up, then it's like, then he's gonna you know he's gonna run amok. Yeah. Then he's I then he's gonna destroy you. At one of the drafts, I interviewed Dustin Bufflin. He was um, doing something with with Upper Deck, and so I got it. I, I I'm standing next to him and I'm interviewing him on video. And I asked him about, you know, being traded and what that was like. And the guy who was with me is like, do you really want to do this with the guy this size? <laughs> what yeah. if you piss him off? And I'm like, listen, I got to ask him because it's Dustin Bufflin and I need to to know. And he was great. And, and, and he is a good guy. And look, I think it's the same as Andre the Giant. They always used to say, Andre the Giant, if he wanted to win a match, he'd win a match. If he wanted to kill you, he could kill you. Same right. with Bufflin. He could kill most guys in the league if he wanted to. Yeah. Right. And everybody now, like most people now are all, you know, we want this game to be played with skill. We want the, you know, well, you know listen to Brian Burke today. He was, he was talking about the, the good old days and the flyers getting the well, right. Well, right. And, 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 and people, and people who want people who like physical hockey are looked at as, you know, old fogies or, you know, just, but honestly it's been proven even in the last six months if you go back to the Stanley Cup final, the reason 
that Washington got through the playoffs was not solely Tim or solely Tom Wilson, but he was a contributing factor. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, he was a, a professional disturber of the high, highest order. So you know, as much of Kuznetsov or Ovechkin or Backstrom or Carlson, Tom Wilson was a factor, and that physicality that he brings, you have to be able to combat it. And there are not many teams that have it, but yeah. it is an advantage over other teams when a team plays physically and the other team doesn't. So right, a few more questions. A few more uh, questions. Does Montreal make any moves this year? I think there could be a three-way trade. Now, hear me out. I think Yupi could go to the Flyers for Gritty, and then Gritty gets dealt to the Penguins for Iceberg. Because uh, oh, Gritty, Gritty wants to win now. I've heard is Iceberg the one who has the horn? He has the drum, so it's really what's the difference? You got two okay, guys. Some, somebody, drum. somebody has a horn at the uh, at the uh, PPG. I don't know. Gritty does, um, Iceberg does the horn too. Okay, so I'm putting a contract out on Iceberg. He needs to be assassinated. Just kidding. Um, okay, but Montreal will make real moves. They will. We've hit a new I, low point. I, I hope Carlton. I hope Carlton the fair. I, Carlton the Bear is a polar bear, so I hope he climbs on Iceberg and and relieves himself. I mean, I think <laughs> I think Montreal might trade Warren Cromarty. They might. No, Rusty, stop! Come on. <laughs> now, um, in all in all seriousness, rest in peace, Rusty. You know. In all seriousness, if Montreal does not does make a trade, it'll be for offense because they don't have much, yeah. right? And they and they need it. But I don't know what they're giving up. I mean, are they going to give up their one? Are they going to give up a Juleson or a Victor Mede? I, I don't think so. So there, maybe there's a rumor that Tidu nine eight three, you know, is saying that Montreal's eyeing Nick Letty. What would it take? The 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 Islanders aren't trading Nick Letty. The Islanders they, in the playoff race. They're not not they're not gonna leave up Nick Letty. I just want to mention something about them being in a playoff race really quick because I've been having conversations and and they're I mentioned a long time ago. I remember when Eck fought me about Barclays and we're we're past all that. But the fact that the Islanders are just playing more games at the Coliseum now, I was told could mean like five points in the standings. And so that is another reason why you're gonna see the Islanders play all their games at the Coliseum next year. Because it's a belief that they could maybe get ten more points in the standings just from the guys not having to travel, right. going through traffic just to go to practice, and being able to actually practice at their practice place all the time and have not have it be a weird setup where you have to stay in a hotel until you go play at your own home rink. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a, a big thing. But I don't think they'll trade Letty because they are in the midst of it. And so right now, why would they do that? Um, one more question. One more question. All right, this is the one. We all can answer this. Kevin Hamilton, which underachieving team will have a big second half? That's a good one. Well, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, but there we, we can't count Pittsburgh. I, I take them out of it. Because they're already on doing better. This one's gonna take some guts. Okay, let me let me consult the NHL standings as we're looking right now. I'm thinking about it and thinking about records and thinking about schedules and thinking about um, all things. Well, okay, they're outside of the playoffs looking in right now, so I'll say the Dallas Stars. Well, I mean, I could be really easy and say Minnesota because they're on the outside looking in, but I'll, I'm still. I'll just go with that. I'm going to say Minnesota because I do believe they'll turn it around. They're going through a little dip right now. I'm not worried about them. I'm not. Yeah, 
yeah, I, 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 somebody may laugh, but I think Mark Andre Fleury may deserve some heart votes. The way he's playing right now, and the and fact that he's all time and wins, we can't really dismiss that because he's so. The problem with Fleury is he doesn't sell Mark Andre Fleury. He doesn't. He doesn't sell himself at all, and. And he is such an understated good guy, and I it's always like a breath of fresh air when I interview him. He's just such a happy-go-lucky, positive individual, but he's ninth on the all-time wins list now. I get it with the way the game is now and having more wins as a possibility with the shootout. I get that, and that probably helps, but he's still an all-time great. Well, let's ask the opposite of that question quickly. What, uh, what team that's currently in the playoffs right now do you think has a second half that sees them outside of the playoffs? Uh, I, I I think I think Montreal is a possibility in the East and in the West. You get one or two, Mike. It's either one. You just one. You don't get to do. Okay, one. Then, then I'll then I'll take the Edmonton Oilers. I'm going to take the Edmonton Oilers too. I do. <laughs> that was my one pick. I zeroed in on them because again, they're just they're hanging on by their claws. They yeah. just are. And and the loss of Clefbaum for you know yeah, hands hands. loss is big. They don't really have a replacement for him. Yeah, I mean, they called up Caleb Jones. Yeah, Caleb Jones is pretty good. It's Seth's brother. He's okay, but he's not Seth Jones, you know? I mean, he's he's a decent skater. He's got size. I mean, he, he can skate and he has size. He's not going to put in a lot of points. He could definitely fill some minutes. It's still a big drop-off from Clefbaum, considering Clefbaum is the guy that they use on the top power play at the point. Well, Russ, everybody else dropped off the show. So you lost I think everybody, even the yeah. chat room. Uh, no, not a, not the chat oh. room, but I think. Um, so I think we'll end it right here, and uh, we'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Jan Levine, for Peter Tessier, for Eklund, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.